welcome back. It's time for Customers Who Click. Another awesome episode lined up for you today. I welcome Jem Burra onto the podcast. Jem is the CEO of Adcubator, a performance marketing agency for e-commerce brands. We had a really good chat about how the marketing landscape has changed over the last year or so, what's working and not working, and how you can squeeze a bit more profit out of your business with smart optimization. Let's get Jem on now. Hi, Jem. Thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just giving us a bit of an intro to yourself, but of your background and how you've got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Will, first of all. So my name is Jem, born and raised in Germany, 24 years old, and emigrated to the UAE, currently living in Bali. And mainly what I do is, is I run e-com brands. I have a marketing agency. We have an education program where we basically teach other people how to do e-com, you know, not not like only how to run ads, but like an actual very in-depth training on on di- everything, pretty much direct response marketing, actually teaching fundamentals, because I think this is like something that's that's missing a lot nowadays. So yeah, pretty much pretty much all marketing, direct response marketing, a bit of CR. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit about me. Sounds good. I think you're right about the fundamentals. It's really easy to find information on how to run Facebook ads or how to run PPC ads, like kind of technically, just how to get set up. But it, there's less out there, which is the, you know, how do you make sure these ads are going to work? Right. What's the, yeah. The, w- w- what makes a good ad? Right. Yeah. Um, I agree. Cool. So, yeah. What are we up to at the moment? How, how do you, ke- how do you keep customers clicking? It's a great question. Like right now, what's, what's happening in the landscape is a few years ago, people started to do UGC. So user generated content and use that, send our products to content creators. And nowadays, the landscape is, is not switching to, AGC, so actor-generated content, because at the end of the day, content creators are content creators. Actors are actors, and they can showcase products a bit more, and they can... I'm not saying they should deceive customers, but I'm saying they're able to drive the point home in a better manner and more convincingly than than content creators are, for example, right? So this is like one big thing that ha- that's happening right now. We have the short-form media revolution, as I like to call it. So we're switching from YouTube long form to YouTube shorts, we're switching to TikTok. TikTok is developing into a search platform where, you know, when whenever you used to make a vacation or something, you used to go on TripAdvisor, you used to check on Google. And right now people are starting to actually use TikTok. They're starting to, to look for hashtags for the locations to see some restaurants, to see some some nice spots that they can take photos at and everything. So that's that's what keeps customers clicking nowadays. Yeah, I suppose that's, it's kind of similar to what we've had on Instagram for a while, right? You know, there's the, the hashtags that you can uh, check out just to see where people have been, what people have been doing in those places. But with the benefit of having the video content now in TikTok, right? So it's not just it's not just someone sharing a picture of like a restaurant they went to or something. It's it'll be it's it's much easier to discover those videos, which are like five top things to do in this place. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So how have things been changing over the last few years? Or maybe even the last, like since COVID, since the pandemic, because we've obviously had a massive shift over the last eight to eighteen months, two years. Yeah, I think, I think, no matter when you started business, I think twenty twenty was one of the most successful years in, in the online space, especially considering all the shortages and everything that there were. You know, good good for some people, bad for other people. I think for me personally, it was it was an amazing year. Grew a lot as a person. Grew the company a lot. Made made good money quite honestly like honestly the the landscape is, is developing very very fast like all the platforms are making changes super fast especially if we're talking about ios 14 that has rolled out and went may 2021 i think so last year tracking has been super off 
whether that is emails or pretty much anything, Facebook. So it's harder to optimize everything properly, right? Costs are going up because there are more advertising to, advertisers in the landscape. You know, people are just spending more money on the platforms because there's more and more and more businesses going online. So, you know, we as advertisers have a bit harder to actually keep up with all the changes to make sure that we can actually hit our CPAs and, and all the and all the KPIs that that we set essentially to hit all the metrics and everything that we have and to hit all the goals and to actually drive incremental revenue, right? So that has been something that is that's been super challenging, not only not only since last year, but I mean it's it's not getting any any better, honestly, right? So and there's like many, many ways on how you can counter it and how to combat all of these things. For example, CRO, for example, good creative strategy. You know, there are many things that, that you can do in that particular case. But this is this is honestly like how the landscape is developing. It's it's getting more and more challenging. It's not getting any easier. So yeah, many changes being done. Does it come back to what you mentioned at the start, right? It's the fundamentals. Right. The yeah. the the platform, the individual platforms are getting a bit harder. So you've got to have a better understanding of the fundamentals so that you've you've got a better chance at optimizing. Yeah, exactly. So what's you mentioned short form video, but what else is working at the moment? What else are you seeing like really drive results? Yeah, first of all, retargeting for us is is something that is not working. So what's working very good, on the contrary, is a very simplified account structure, especially if we're talking about Facebook and TikTok. What we're trying to do is scale scale vertically instead of horizontally, because if you're scaling horizontal and just keep duplicating, creating new campaigns, it's just getting so much harder to manage everything. So personally for us, what's working is keeping everything very simple, not trying to overcomplicate things and, and focus on the important things, right? Not only focusing on what the hottest media buying strategy is, but actually focus on on what matters, right? Which is like a great offer, a landing page that is converting and great creative that pretty much drives the, the point home, right? And, and short form media, of course, omni-channel marketing and, and channel diversification is a huge topic. And I've been talking about this actually since 2020. I've been telling everyone to, to try as many ad platforms as you can, because it's not only about diversifying the revenue streams, but it's also about diversifying the risk and being risk averse, right? Because let's say you're running on Facebook and your ad account is being shut down. What's going to happen? Like you you end up with your email list. And of course you can market to that email list, but at the end of the day, it's, it's like an asset that you have. You're not able to send emails every single day and monetize them, right? Especially if you're not driving any new traffic and because you can drive a business with repeat customers, but at the end of the day, you want to focus on, on really new customer acquisition and growing the business instead of just maintaining it and being stagnant with it. Yeah. So you mentioned having your ad account shut down, but it's not even just that. It could just be some seasonality. Like, yeah, definitely. It, it ju- could just be seasonality that really, really hurts you on one ad platform because you know, it might be that a load new bit load of new businesses come in or some big businesses just, you know, double or triple their spend on the platform. And that makes it more difficult for you. Whereas if you're trying out these other platforms, you know, I know obviously TikTok's getting bigger and bigger, more people advertising on it, but I imagine it's still it's still that platform where it's really easy to get in. Would I be right in saying that? Like because of the the work that require is required to run TikTok advertising. You know, it's it's not like a standard video. It is got it's got yeah. kind of its own unique content. So there's gonna be loads of businesses out there who don't have the expertise, don't have the resource to do that, and so don't even bother trying. Yeah, most most certainly. I mean, here's the beauty of every platform. Every platform requires some 
some different, well, assets, right? With Google, you need to do a keyword research. With Facebook, you need creatives, whether that is image or videos. With TikToks, you need like short form video content. With YouTube, you need long form VSL. I'm not talking about like 20 minutes, but like not your standard typical Facebook ad. I'm not talking about high end production for 10, 20,000, but the entire layout of the creative, it's still similar because it's like a hook. You get the attention, you make the people stop to, or, or pre qualifying essentially. But yeah, every, every platform is, is super different from each other. And I mean, that's the beauty of it because some things are very, I wouldn't say oversaturated, but some things are just harder than others, right? Which makes the barrier to entry on some of these other things a bit easier, especially if we're talking about TikTok. I mean, the barrier to entry is high, but relatively seeing the opportunity on TikTok, in my opinion, is just so much higher than opposed to Facebook because the CPMs that we're seeing on TikTok are like, what I think on average, we're seeing like $5.70 on our ad accounts in the US, whereas on Facebook, it's like 17 in the US. So it's like we're reaching pretty much the same amount of people for one third of the costs. And of course, the quality of the click is not exactly the same. But I mean, the result is still going to be the same. People are still going to end up purchasing, even though the conversion rate is lower. But as long as it's profitable and it's going to drive growth, like that's the only thing I care about, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I, I've got no experience with TikTok. I imagine there's quite a few people listening, as in a, a like advertising side. I imagine there's a load of people listening who don't either. Just in terms of like the numbers and things, how does it compare to to Facebook? Because I would I would assume it's a similar, you know, it's a similar intent level of customer, right? You're you're putting ads in front of them, you're interrupting them, which is quite similar to Facebook. So yeah, in, in term you you mentioned really low cost CPMs. But in terms of like click-through rates, conversion rates, how do they compare? And I know that's quite a general question that people don't like. It's, so. it's, no, it's it's an amazing question. Because if you take a look at all the different platforms, you have to understand that not only Facebook and TikTok are different, but like everything is a bit different from each other, even though they're very similar and similar strategies apply. The structure of the ad account is like different, but at the end of the day, the concept of media buying is 80% the same. Let me put it that way. Of course, TikTok is a very, very young platform when it comes to, to the ad serving side of things. First of all, Google intent-based, right? Conversion rate on Google, way higher than anything else. The costs are most likely going to be higher as opposed to Facebook. Facebook, a bit cheaper, but it's push-based traffic. So you're trying to create a direct response action pretty much because you're pushing a service or a product or whatever it is into other people's feet. They're not going on Facebook to look for a product or buy something provided they're not using marketplace, right? That's a different story. Yeah. But people are using Facebook just to interact with their friends, to watch groups, to text with their friends, to maybe check whose birthday it is, to be reminded of events, to maybe check where, where a social event, where a social gathering is, maybe to join a Facebook group for an expat, to maybe look for a new apartment, whatever it is, to buy used cars, right? That, again, that's a like, different story. That's not the ad side of things. Where, whereas on TikTok, it's, it's the same. But TikTok is slowly developing into this search platform. Like if you're looking for a dentist, you're going to look on Google. If you're going to look for a used car, you might go on eBay. You might go on Google. You might go on Facebook. You're not going to check on TikTok, right? Whereas on TikTok, yeah. you're looking for places, you're, you're looking for, for, for gadgets, for things. It's the attention span is way lower on TikTok. There's a reason why there's a custom metric on Facebook, not a custom metric. It's, it's just a column you can customize on Facebook. It's called three second video view. And on TikTok, it's two-second video view. So what does that mean? Yeah. First of all, it means that the attention span is actually way shorter on TikTok as opposed to Facebook. 
the scale that you can get on Facebook personally from what we have seen is way higher than as opposed to TikTok. Then again, I have a friend of mine. He spent 850,000 just in January for his own brands. This guy is like 20. I talked to him like a few hours ago. He was like, yeah, bro, this month is going to be very, very good. We spent like 810,000 on TikTok for our own brands. And like, like this guy is crazy. He's not doing Facebook ads. I told him to at least run a Google, Google branded search campaign. So he's doing that to maybe hone in on some other traffic that is already warm. Right. But yeah, I, I love the question because it's, it's not as simple to answer. It's like very diverse and has many facets, right? But again, if we're going back to the conversion rate side of things, TikTok, TikTok is a bit lower. The AOV that we're seeing is a bit lower. CPCs are lower. CTRs, of course, it always depends, right? Because on Facebook, you can have image ads with a long-form copy and sometimes get CTRs of 6%, 8%, depending on what you're advertising, of course. Sometimes we've seen like CTRs of 16%, not on scale, but like, you know, like this isn't something that you're going to see on TikTok ever. As long as your CTR is over 1, 1.5%, it's okay. You know, provided it's above two, that's amazing for TikTok, but you can make it work with a CTR of 1% because at the end of the day, the cost that you're getting is always going to be associated to, first of all, the CPM that you have, the amount of money that you spend and the CTR, right? Because that is going to give you, well, pretty much the, the cost per click. It's like a super simple equation actually, but yeah, that's like how they, how they compare it. Facebook converts a bit better, higher AOV, higher quality traffic, but it's not like TikTok is low quality traffic. It's just a bit lower than Facebook. Yeah. Do you think, do you think we'll see that change over the next, I don't know, year, 18 months? Like as, as TikTok further develops the platform, do you think people will see better click through rates because people are, you know, the users are kind of even expecting ads to be there a bit more and so are actually willing to engage with them a bit more? Whereas, you know, I, I know I've, I've used it recently and there are times when I've barely even noticed that something, something's an advert. I've just watched the video and then it's only, only just as I've started to scroll that I've seen that, you know, in the corner, it's kind of marked as an advert. Whereas yeah. on, on Facebook, it's, it's really obvious. Yeah. I mean, the difference here is that on Facebook, you have, again, everything, groups, birthdays, messenger, every, all this distraction. Whereas on, whereas on TikTok, you have one feed, you just swipe up literally vertically and every seventh or eighth thing is an ad. Talking about the question, if it's going to change within the next 12 to 18 months, good one, hard one. It's, it's hard to predict the future, kind of like with cryptocurrency yeah. and stocks and everything, kind of like a gamble. I think it's going to get better. CTR. CTR always depends on how good the creative is and how engaging it is, right? And and, and the type of type of pocket that you're hitting within the audience. I think I think CTRs might get a bit lower, actually, because I think advertising is just going to get more hard and hard, right? And if we're facing rising CPM costs, generally speaking, the CTRs should go down as well. Because I think that there will be more awareness for these ads and people being less inclined to click on these ads and, and of course, just engaging less and, oh, like again, another ad, you know, and if the comments are enabled, they're going to, oh, damn this ad, you know, if it's going to be better in the future in regards, in, in regards of intent, I think so, but it's just going to be a bit more challenging. So it's, it's about like who creates their own unique twist to kind of like their advertising. Cause at the end of the day, we're all on the same auction. We could all bid the same, but what really drives the conversion is going to be the creative because the targeting doesn't happen within the ads manager. The targeting happens within the creative and, and, and how we're selling the product, what we're showcasing, how we're using the product, or we're showcasing the benefits. What kind of angle are we using? Yeah. 
yeah no I, I i know what you mean yeah it's it's a difficult one to answer isn't it because i mean in, in 12 18 months we might have 10 times the advertisers on there and with 10 times the advertisers you know you're going to get some good creative coming through and you're going to get some bad stuff so obviously the the bad stuff you know i'm i'm sure at some point we'll get some sort of software that can just can kind of whip you up some really quick TikTok creative and it'll be cheap and it'll be super, super easy to use and quick, but it'll be rubbish. And that's, yeah, that's going to lead to loads of like, oh, TikTok doesn't work. <laughs> there is, there's actually like a few similar softwares that do that. They're not natively for Facebook, but for example, Pencil AI, I haven't used it so far myself, but pretty much what it does, you, there are like many other softwares, right? You can just throw in the creatives and then it's, going to auto-generate some more assets based on performance and, and, and whatnot, right? With with Google right now, they introduced a new campaign type, which is called Performance Max. They've tested it like two years ago, I think maybe even three years ago. And essentially what Performance Max does is it makes advertising for people a bit easier because it consolidates all the different channels, search, shopping, YouTube, display, and discovery. And you have it all within one campaign type, right? So instead of having to create five different campaigns, you just have to create one campaign and throw in all the assets. And here's a here's the thing what many people don't know. If you don't have a YouTube video, it's highly recommended to provide as many assets as you can. Not like over flooding it, but a reasonable amount so the algorithm can can pretty much pick the best ones, right? You don't want to overload it, but you don't want to give too little, just like the right amount. So if you're providing Google with all these images, what's going to happen is if you don't have a video, it's going to auto-generate a video based on the images and the captions and some sort of overlays that they have within Google that is being auto-generated. So that video is being used exclusively for YouTube, which is which is a nice nice thing to have because you're getting another placement, right? But that video is generated by AI. It doesn't know what a conversion is, is supposed to, like how, how a creative on YouTube is supposed to look like and, and how to drive conversions, mm-hmm. at least not yet. I'm sure that there will be something in the future and I'm sure that people listening to this, you, there's probably someone out there that knows someone who's working on a solution for this, I can imagine. And I'm pretty sure that whoever has the idea or works it out is going to be filthy rich because it's a very nice idea and there's like a big gap in the market. So far, it doesn't exist. Not that I know of, but it should be should be there. Not talking about anytime soon, but like 12, 18 months from now, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, yeah it'd be interesting to see what puts up. You know, we, we, from what I've seen with every ad platform, you start to get some... I want to say like lower quality software that comes out, which is just designed to be, it's literally designed to be cheap, like $99 a month or even like 19. And it's, you know, unlimited, unlimited ad creative or unlimited whatever. You know, I think we used one when I I worked in house a few years ago and uh, it wasn't, I don't think it was software. I think what they did was you would upload your creative and and your messaging and stuff and what they would do is that i think they what they probably did was outsource the work to like i don't know india the philippines you know wherever they can get really cheap designers who would then take your creative and create like 10 different versions of it and then send mm-hmm. it back i remember we we tried this for about 3 months and every single one of us said this is rubbish this is just the yeah it it was just terrible you know, the creative I mean, it's, good. it's mass production at the end of the day. It's just like coming up with stuff without a proper briefing, I'm guessing, right? Well, it was... Correct me if I'm wrong. I, th- I think... Uh, no, I'm, I might be wrong because this was 
like five years ago now. So I, I might might oh. be forgetting exactly how it worked, but I'm sure that we we uploaded one of our creatives and and like the messaging and everything to go with it. And then they they created more creative off that. So they had they 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 knew what we were trying to do with our campaign. They got an example of our creative. And then their job was to make sure that we had enough creative to just switch in and out of Facebook, right? And keep testing new things. But it just, I remember we got some absolute trash through. And then there was also ads that just were almost identical to what we were doing anyway. So yeah, I remember it. Was it the exact quality of the video that was trash, like the output, or was it the results within Facebook? Bit of both. There was, when I say Mm -hmm. trash, I mean, literally stuff that we were like, this is wrong. It's not just, it's not just, you know, it's, it's not just, we, we don't like it. It was, you know, this, this is wrong. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we can't use this, this creative, but yeah, enough about my experiences trying to get mass creative. What is not working at the moment? What are you having problems with or what are you seeing people have problems with? I think what people have problems with is creative strategy, not knowing how a converting website should look like focusing on the wrong things focusing on on like micromanaging and the micro perspective of things maybe just to generalize and and not on the macro i talked with a brand today and they said they were donating 20 percent of their gross revenue which is a lot and they're like a social business and they had problems to scale and they were like stagnant for months i'm like of course you're going to be stagnant if you have if, if you're donating 20% of, of the entire revenue and, and you have overhead and, and if you're not even really running paid ads, because they were doing decent, they were doing like mid five figure months or are still doing mid five figure months. And they said they have employees or like, or like freelancers and contractors. And I'm like, at that point of, of revenue, you shouldn't overcomplicate it and, and don't overhire, like keep it lean. Like you don't need a web design agency who always does things like focus on one thing, focus on one thing, only focus on a hero product. And just scale the hell out of it and like don't make changes on the website that don't even matter that are like you don't even have traffic bro like come on so yeah. that's like an example that that happened today and i think overall again creative strategy maybe even the misconception that people need to focus on this one exact media buying strategy because this is like a big misconception that i've had three, two years ago for Facebook, where I was like, okay, like I need the best strategy because with the best strategy, I'm going to get the best results. And, uh, you know, my creatives weren't bad, but they weren't the best. So sometimes at creatives that were similar to the ones of competitors and I ran them and I wondered why it didn't work. Right. And I was like, Hmm, it's like very similar. There shouldn't be anything wrong about this, you know, and I, and I didn't really focus on the important thing. So like the, the key takeaway for me personally here is focus on what on what's really important focus on what matters and not like on oh i need the newest media buying strategy oh i need i i I need to do this like it's focusing on one thing doubling down if it works and then just diversifying and risk basically being risk averse so diversifying channels and not only sticking to one channel right because if you're only running facebook ads and only stick to one channel that's like the biggest mistake you can do of course it's important to have one channel that is driving the revenue but then if you're not doing emails like what are you doing? Like you have the email, right? You should send out emails. If you, if you have the numbers, like send out some, some SMS campaigns. If you have, if you have like decent search volume, or even, even if you're just doing like four figures a day, like 1k, 2k in revenue a day, just run a Google search brand campaign, run retargeting on that platform. So, you know, it's, that is the stuff that is not really complicated, but people don't want to deal with it because they don't see the, 
the value that it's bringing to them to the table, right? They're like, oh, and and then I need to pay this guy for consulting. Then I need to to ask like five other five other people what they're doing. Of course, like it's always great to to get some more feedback from your peers or friends or mentors or consulting, whatever. But again, it's about focus and not like spreading spreading the focus and not doubling down on one thing, right? So I think this yeah. is this is like a big mistake, especially not using short form media because right now what we're seeing TikTok. I'm not saying it came out yesterday, but the results are similar to what we've seen in, in 2016, 2017 on Facebook. I personally haven't run any Facebook ads in 2016, 2017, but from what my friends told me, right? So they were like, oh yeah, the costs are literally the same. The results are literally the same. It's so easy to scale product there. So especially if people are getting started, they're like, how do I get started? How do I get started? Like just start with where it's the least competitive and, and where you have kind of like a head start of all of the other ones which could be as well just TikTok organic because you see all of these brands blowing up on TikTok, getting a huge following of like 100K, 200K. And, and at the end, they're like just 17-year-old teenagers that are still in high school and just filming videos from their phone and racking in like sometimes when they when they have a viral video that just goes viral that gets like 10, 12 million views, they're like making 40, 60K a day. Like crazy. Yeah, I think so there's two things there. There's, firstly, just keep keep it simple. Yeah, like don't don't overcomplicate things. I should keep things. it simple. <laughs> yeah, you know when you mentioned like email and email SMS or even Facebook ads and things. I guess what what tends to happen is people, especially if they if they're not experienced, right? They'll do a bit of research, and that research will tell them they've got to have these really complex campaigns with massive segmentation, and and they've got to have like A/B testing on different emails and things. You know, plug in a few SMS here and there, and it just looks like a massive project that has to be done. When actually you should be saying, right, let's do a welcome email. Right, just do a welcome email. Get the welcome email done. Then maybe add two more to that flow and then and then move on. Right. Let that run. Get an abandoned cart flow in place. You know, get, you know, get a couple of the flows, but do it one by one. Break down this whole, whole yeah. big piece. And and the other thing is, I guess in a similar way, keeping it simple, you don't need a studio to put together creative, right? Because people don't care. Right. In fact, what I see a lot is, in fact, the, the feedback I've had from customers of, of my clients is they distrust videos that look too polished. Yeah. Because if 100%. because they think it's a marketing 100%. message and a, and a marketing yeah. message is only going to tell them the good things. Exactly. Like it needs to stay very organic. Right. And this is what I was referring to in the beginning when I talked about UGC and AGC. Again, like content creators are content creators. They're getting paid for promotion or they're getting the, the product, whatever it is. Right. And with some of these content creators, it's just so freaking obvious that it's a paid promotion, right? And essentially, like there's two different kind of things. If it's influencer marketing, that's a different thing because they're talking about their their own, you know, whatever case, what, what the product has done to them. Let's say they're taking collagen powder, right? Oh, like my hair is growing. Oh, my nails are not breaking. My this, my that, right? So it's like supposed to be, it's like supposed to be an ad and they have to disclaim it and everything. Otherwise the FTC or whatever governmental force is going to come for you. Right. But yeah. like with, with the creatives, UGC, AGC, UGC, you know, like it works. I'm not saying it's bad. It's good. What again, what it's staring to is AGC because these people are actors. They're not professional. I mean, they're professional actors, but they're not like Hollywood star, you know, Bruce Wayne or someone else, right? Yeah. But they know how to act in front of the camera and they know how to get the messaging across. And this is like what counts. 
it's not about having the most high-end production with like 20k cost overhead whatever and like we see it all the time when whenever clients have like a big production the cheap videos from like someone in school outperform them by far and they're like okay like what the hell did we even pay the video agency money for if it doesn't perform yeah exactly you know i know you can get some pretty bad video through so you can't just use any ugc but you know any, anyone with a, a decent phone these days uh yeah it's it, it's it's not that difficult but just mm-hmm. on the topic of agc how do you source that how do you work with them without it becoming paid advertising and influencer marketing Ooh. so i mean at the end of the day it's it's paid right but it's it's actors not in a sense of their public figures on instagram but they're actors who are recording the content who are replacing the content creators so in that particular case the actors are becoming the content creators does that make sense yeah you're basically hiring an actor to do to to read out a script so it's, exactly it is designed to look i suppose now i know what you said uh, don't be misleading <laughs> earlier it's it's designed to look like ugc but it's not entirely ugc it's it is it's uh, fully scripted. paid right it's yeah. paid, it's scripted. It's not scripted to the T. Like, this is a big misconce- no, no, misconception but- that people do wrong, right? It's like, don't tell them exactly what they have to do. Like, provide them with a briefing. Have, like, good light. Have this, have that. Don't do it at night. Make sure the voice is clear. Make sure you're not holding your microphone. Make sure that, you know, let's say you want to test five different hooks. You know, you, you line up five different hooks and, like, the the core message of it. And uh, they need to they need to get it across and say these words within the next within the first three seconds if they don't do it they need to redo it right and because like you can immediately tell if something is scripted to the t and they're reading off of something but i mean it's very obvious yeah sorry i i don't mean like yeah fully scripted but you know they've they've got clear instructions that they have to follow yeah as opposed to yeah, like UGC, a- where you might give the person instructions and say look if you're going to do a video for us please make sure you're in a well-lit room do this do that but you're not you're not going to say to them no, sorry, that's not good enough. You're going to have to do it again because your customer's just going to say, no, you can, you can have that video or, or that's it. Got it. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, there's some big differentiations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what, what would you recommend? Have you got any tips on what people can do you know, almost immediately or focus on right now to just squeeze a bit more, more from the business? Great question. Whew. There are many answers to this, but the main answers that I want to give here is many people focus on, on the creative output and everything, right? And of course, like having constant creative output is important because the ads are going to burn out. But what you need to take care of is, is things like conversionary optimization. Very, very little people are doing conversionary optimization. In fact, when we have some, some part of an agency, like on their board and everything, I'm invested. So whenever there's a client onboarding, there's a huge misconception for what CRO actually is. They think they can let the test run for two days and then they're going to see results. It's like, no, there's like an entire statistical approach to this and in, in, a, in a respective methodology that you need to respect. There's like an entire playbook that we wrote for our clients to make sure that they're not touching any of the things or stopping anything preemptively. And they're like, oh yeah, like, because you're not always going to get winners. It's, it's like creatives, right? Not every winner 
not even creative is a winner, right? Same with the test. Like not every test is going to create an uplift. We have a very high win rate, like 70% of something, which is way above industry standards. But of course, there's going to be tests that are negative. And at the end of the day, we still need to let them run up until they have reached statistical significance because it might turn. And we have seen it turn many, many times before. Yeah. So it's, you know, like this is something that people need to need to pay attention to conversion optimization. Um, very simple. If you want to set it up yourself, first of all, start creating some hypotheses. So start brainstorming on, on the things that you can implement with a psychological bias. So it could be as easy as, hey, we want to change the color of the add to car button. Hey, we want to implement this piece of, of, of video. You know, we, may, we maybe want to even include the UGC that we have on our creatives on our website. Instead of having them as a video, we want to have them as a GIF, maybe, you know, like just just random tests, maybe creating some icons, maybe showcasing the the value propositions more, showcasing something in the card, making sure you're you're disclaiming stuff differently, whatever it is. So many different things you can do, right? So creating the hypothesis, creating the design, making sure you code it into Google Optimize or whatever it is that you're using, and then just hard code it in. That's like the best thing to do. You don't need like thousands of apps to get everything done. Because at the end of the day, what apps are going to do, they're going to slow down everything. You have to pay additional for, for, for all of the apps. And over time, it's going to accumulate, right? So CRO, it's not that one test is going to create, like, of course, there are tests that can create a huge uplift, but it's not like you're doing one test and then you're like, okay, done, CRO, taken care of, right? It's a compound effect. You're, you're doing tests over tests over tests and you're increasing the conversion rate month on month on month because where you're trying to to accomplish is, is constant business growth, not only on the advertising side, where you're increasing the spend, but also on the on the revenue per user side. It's not necessarily about just increasing the AOV or conversion rate. The conversion rate could be lower, but the revenue per user could be higher because the AOV got lifted by 50%, for example, right? So it's not always about conversion rate. It's about revenue per user. That's like the most important metric. And of course, like some tests can have effects on, on the longevity of a customer and the lifetime value, but that's like very detailed, right? But if we're already talking about customer experience and everything, Things like net promoter score, super important. Like you need to, you need to know how happy the customers are and if they would recommend your store, your business to their friends and how likely they are, right? You need to get actual feedback from your customers and do surveys, whether that is through Hotjar, through emails, through a post-purchase survey or whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, your customers are, are the key to your business. Without your customers, you wouldn't have a livelihood provided you're running a business, right? So you need to make sure that these customers are being treated as best as you can and make sure that you actually understand them so freaking good. Because of course, like some people might think, okay, I have my avatar and everything. Yeah. It's not about having an avatar. Everyone has an avatar, but it's about like getting deeper insights and, and knowing what they're struggling with. It's not about, okay, this guy is 34. His name is Harry and, and he's a computer scientist. It's not about that. It's like understanding a, a deeper level of, of connection with that respective person. So that's like two, two things. That, that can improve revenue. Yeah, I'm with you on the, well, both of it, obviously, or is what I do. And yeah, I remember early this year, actually, I ran a test and, you know, that test came from research, right? So we were quite were quite happy this is something that, that would be positive. And I remember after about a week, I think it was up about 170% or something, right? Insane conversion rate. It's yeah. insane increase. And the client was a little bit like, cool, this is a winner. Let's go with it. And I said, well, we haven't got, we haven't really got the data through yet. You know, we're still at, I think it was still less than a hundred conversions, right? So <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
you know, not a lot happening there. And I think we we spent about another two or three weeks on it to get enough data through. And then the conversion rate, you know, leveled out at about, I think it was about plus 10%, right? Which is still yeah. a great, it's still a good test. 10% Amazing is Amazing result. 10% is big. But yeah, my, my point is, like you say, people see a result after two days, whether it's positive or negative, and they want to make a decision. And you've got to say, yeah. look, obviously, if you've got 10 conversions <laughs> right now, then another, if there's two difference, you're either up 20% or down, right? But when we get to a 500 conversions, you know, when you're at 550 to 500, you know, you can be pretty confident that, you know, those 50 are, that is a winning test at the, at the extra 50, yeah. which is two different, yeah. you know, you, you just happen to have got a little bit of better traffic through one side than test because you can't, you know, you're splitting the traffic, but you're not splitting intent levels, might not yeah. be splitting traffic per source evenly and things like that. Yeah. So that's, that's going to mean in the early days, you, your test is not, not viable. And, and I've like, like you, I've had it both ways where, you know, we've, we've seen a test doing really well. And then after 14 days, it's gone negative. And we've also seen tests start negative and have ended quite positively. You know, you, you've just got to, you, you've got to run enough data through it. Yeah, it's it's a great point because, of, of course, it doesn't only depend on the transactions, but also on the sessions and everything and, and you know, how, how much essentially you're spending because doing CRO for something, there's like a there's like a big difference between conversion design and conversion optimization, in my opinion, because, of course, you can do conversion design and design things such as best practice, right? At the end of the day, you don't know if, if it's going to create an uplift for real, right? So personally for us, and I'm very curious what, what your benchmarks are, we're aiming for at least 1.5K conversions within a month or 250K in revenue, just to make sure that we're able to generate results if we're working with someone on the CRO side. And if we're going back and, and circling back to the AB testing side of things, even if you have whatever, 500 conversions, right? There, there might be an overall uplift in all of the segments but returning customers, for example, right? So this is like something that many people don't, don't always look at. So it's like, okay, well, this test is maybe negative, but for this respective segment, it's actually positive. And overall, we've lost money on the test, but this is still going to accumulate over time, whether that is new users, returning users, returning buyers, whatever it is. So there's like so many things that you actually need to take into account to before being able to make a decision and and it's a lot, especially because it's so data heavy and like statistic. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to, lot of data to look through. There are definitely tests where I, w- I would definitely be saying we, there are other stats we've got to be looking at for this test because this it is a test that could well have an impact elsewhere, whether that's on AOV, but we normally track that anyway, but also on returning rate, returning customer rate and also returns rate. Actually, you know, we, in fact, this came up in fact, to your point about apps earlier. You know, it's it's easy to get sucked in by apps, and and there are some good apps that I really like for increasing average order values and things. But we had one which was showing a decent uplift on a post purchase upsell or a decent decent take rate on upsell. So we thought, okay, this is great. Well, obviously, we want to be showing it. Let's you know, the the, the talk is about not A/B testing it anymore. We just show it to everyone, and then we found out through customer service that something like 70% of people were cancelling the order immediately because they didn't realise exactly what was happening. And and that's what you've you've got to think about. For some reason, these people thought they were just confirming their purchase, their original purchase, when actually they were were making a second add-on. 
and at a 70% cancellation rate. Now, fortunately, these weren't fulfilled, so it wasn't a returns issue to deal with, but it just, it, it, if that hadn't been picked up on and we'd, you know, we'd gone all, on, all out on it, that probably would lead to returns later because customer service can't be cancelling 70% of those orders quick enough. Yeah. So stuff like that, returns rate, you know, we, with a client, we're going to test free returns because at the moment they don't offer free returns. They offer, a, you know, like a restocking fee. So, so I said, well, it's, you know, I, I know free returns has a positive impact on conversion rate. I've done it before. I've, I've extended a 14 day return rate, return period to 30 days. And we saw no negative impact on, on returns rate, but just a positive impact on, on conversion rate. So we're going to do this with this other client, but that's, it, it depends on your, your category as well. In fact, I was talking to someone about fashion earlier today. Fashion, people return like all the time. It's yeah. really bad. 30% and, or something. It's crazy. Yeah. And everyone offers free returns. In vast majority of other categories, people don't want to return the products. They want the product to do the job for them. They just want to know that free returns are there if they have a problem or if this product doesn't do the job. The difference with clothing is, and it's being promoted by some brands, people buy the clothing, wear it once on a night out and then return it. That's, that's cool. I've heard about problem. that. Yeah. I've heard about um, that. But that, that doesn't happen. Like, you know, I've got this water bottle, which is great. I'm not going to use this water bottle once, take a picture of it and send it back. Right. Yeah. Un unless somehow I decide this water bottle is rubbish and doesn't do its job, but that would be a fair, you know, that's a fair return. Um, but that's, it's just another, it's another stat you have to keep an eye on. You know, if you run a test like that, you need to know that that conversion rate increase is going to outweigh any cost of any additional costs related to returns. Yeah. I agree because because what's going to happen pre-purchase and everything and during the purchase is it doesn't always necessarily reflect within post-purchase experience and everything, especially returns like everything that you that you've talked about, right? I agree. It, like an increase in, in revenue per user is not necessarily an increase in revenue per user. Like you need to check on and how it develops throughout the well the lifespan. And then again, it's like we had someone who was asking to change the refund guarantee from I think. 30 days to 365 days, right? For the products or for your agency? Yeah, yeah. Is that? Yeah, for, for a physical product. So yeah. measuring that is like very hard, right? So personally, I, I said, I do not think we should test this just because for the reason that 14 days or 30 days or whatever it was, it's, it's a lenient window in my opinion, right? If there's anything yeah. wrong with the product, they can return it. But like 365 days, you might have people that return it after 300 days and say, oh, yeah, this is broken, right? But then it's like, okay, like, is it broken or do they just want their money back and get a new one or, or, or just exchange it, right? And, and like, I don't think there should be any tests done, especially for, for a small store like that that are on the time span of a year. Like, no one has the patience to wait for that and, and measure the results because here you can only assume and, 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 basically you know make a, make a prediction on we think that this would have a negative impact rather than a positive impact like 30 days is, is enough time to return it and like yeah you know well, it's we, like a brain game basically but the, the the test that we did when we moved from 14 to 30 due to the success of that the founder wanted to do 100 so we, we tested 100 100 days no and way. there was almost no impact on conversion rate you know, it might have been like plus, it was like plus 1% or something. 
So barely any impact. I, I I don't know what happened with returns rate for that one because that was after I or just kind of as I as I left them. I, I doubt I doubt it had much impact on returns rate for them because we understood the the behavior of customers, but it didn't increase conversion by enough to justify any increase in returns rate. Yeah, yeah, I get that. No, I'm, I'm totally with you. Cool. I realize we're running out of time a bit. Do you, do you want to really quickly touch on like new versus returning customers? How you can treat them differently? Or is that a massive subject that we should, that we should have an, another chat about? No, I think it's, it's a very small chat. Honestly, it's, it's, it's like good to see that we're actually having this convo because I think it's like super interesting. We could talk ages about this, but let's, let's talk about new versus returning. So personally, what I see with brands, there are many VC brands. VC back brands that, of course, like they're VC back. They don't really care about profitability. They want to focus on growth. So it's like they're aiming for certain KPIs that are being hit in either a post purchase survey or a blended mix of post purchase survey, triple whale, an ads manager, whatever it is. And you need to make sure that you're going to hit the new customer acquisition spot right away. Because if you don't do that, of course, like again, in my opinion, a business is dying if it's not growing. And that's not necessarily about the revenue, but it's also about the employees and and, and, and growth and everything, right? Just structures, because the business isn't really growing, if, isn't dying if you're creating new structures and everything, just improving things and, and being ready to scale, right? But like you need to focus on new customer acquisition and not, I mean, it's both important, but the retention side of things shouldn't be more than what, like 35% in my opinion, because it's great to have people who are coming back to your store, but it's more important to grow the store and acquire new customers. Because if you focus on acquiring new customers, the lifetime value of that respective customer is going to be way higher if you're retaining 35% of the customers, right? So if they're making a purchase for what? Let's say your AOV is 60, the, the lifetime value of that is like what? Depending on, on, on the offers and everything and the months and everything, but let's say it's like 50% higher. So you go from 60 to 90 and that way you can... You know, of course, the money isn't there instantly, but that way you have more money, more cash flow, more profit, and you can just increase the overall, well, lifetime value. And again, just company growth. And there is like, yeah, it's 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 a it's an important differentiation that needs to be made because if you're rocking a four ROAS on Facebook, but you're only getting repeat customers, like okay, who cares? On email, you're probably getting like way higher than than a four X on on what you spend on email. It's probably like sixteen X or something. I don't know. That's what I'm guessing at least. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, so my, so my focus is tends to be on new customers for sale. Returning customers will come back and buy, right? If, they, if they're going to, if they want to buy again, they can come to the website, they land on the website, they will find what they're looking for yeah. and buy it because they know the website and know the brand. But I'm simplifying things a little bit. But yeah, essentially, if they've already bought from you again, that second purchase, if they're going to make it, will be easy. So it's new customers that you have to focus on, you know, and that could be educating them about your category as well as your your products and your brand. So one of my clients is in CBD. And so it's not just telling people about uh, the, the client's products and the client. It's also loads of people don't understand CBD. Those yeah. of people who are looking for CBD, they're clicking through adverts, they're showing some level of interest in the idea or, or products but don't really have a clue what it is. So that's so we're just having to educate about the, the category as well. So it's not just, I think it's, it's not just new customers to new to you as a brand, it's new customers to your category that you've got to be thinking yeah. about. And yeah, I, I agree with you on returning customers. If, if the proportion of your revenue is too high from returning customers, yeah, it means you're not growing fast enough. But equally, 
you know, again, it comes down to, to brand by brand, category by category. Yeah. Someone like, was it Casper Mattress? But their returning customer rate is going to be super low on a like a year by year. You buy a mattress once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't buy another one for, I think their guarantee is like 15, 20 years or something. All right. So yeah. that's, that's a long time to have to, to, to be track, even tracking that metric really. But you can have other brands where, you know, if people aren't buying it every month, you're going to be thinking, well, all right, maybe we have a, a little problem here. Yeah, like a consumable or whatever, supplement, whatever, protein powder, whatever yeah. it is. Supplement, right. So I use Heights. I don't know if you know of Heights, the supplements. It's like a, I guess, a vitamin, <laughs> vitamin pill, multi, multivitamin, but even more than like your standard multivitamin. So they, yeah, they should be looking at it. If, if my, if my purchase, like purchase per month rate, cause it's a, it's literally a monthly subscription is less than one, you know, they, they should be thinking, well, why, why is that happening? Why is this person buying? less than a 30-day supply every month. You probably have a threshold for it. You, you wouldn't look, if someone was 0.9 or something, you'd be fine with it. But if it was 0.5, you'd be thinking that this person's probably not that committed to it. And either they're yeah. not enjoying them or they're just not into the habit. So what can we do to to boost that? Yeah, maybe even that is a guide of like how to use it, how what what benefits it's going to have. I think especially if we're talking about CPG, it's it's important to show the people how to use it and what benefits they have. And, you know, just like reminding them, maybe even a company that I've worked with, they released an app pretty much. And, and you can track like how much you're drinking every day and you're getting reminders. Like, of course, an app is like the, in my opinion, having an app for your own e-com brand is like the best thing ever because you really own the traffic and like you're literally in, in their mind rent free, so to say, right? You can send push notifications yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And they're using the app. They're actually inter interacting, right? It's not like an email. They read it. They click the link and you send it out. Like you have flows and campaigns. It's like, it's a nice thing. And I think like the actual experience and like post-purchase is very important because for them, it's not only about driving the sale and driving the conversion, but also like, you know, hey, reminder, drink your water, whatever. Yeah. Speak, well, speaking of drinking water. So we had someone on the podcast start of the year, probably. can't remember when he was now. And it was this, so it, it was trying to give the experience of having cordial in your drink, but it wasn't something that was in the water. It was a scent that goes kind of on top. So when you're, you're still only drinking like water. Up. You, yeah. Up. Oh yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. And they were saying what they found works really well is they they have to get the first sip right. So they have to educate people. They have to make sure people set this up right. And when they drink it, they see the benefit because you you might give it a few goes, right? But as soon as you take that first sip and you go, oh, that wasn't really what I expected, you're, you're already disappointed. And even yeah. if you then work it out, there's a risk that people are like, like, okay, I get it now, but that's not really what I wanted. So I'm not fussed. Whereas yeah. if you nail it straight away, that person goes, wow, that was incredible. Like I can't, I can't believe there's nothing in this water, but it tastes, yeah. it's got that taste. So, I agree. Um, it's literally the same with water drops. So the brand that I was talking about before, they're like the dire competitor of air up. So instead of having the okay. smell on the thing, they have these water cubes that you can put in, they're sugar-free and everything. And what it's supposed to do is it's going to change the flavor and everything, right? And they have these trials, they have subscription, whatever, but what they're doing good is again, the app they introduced, uh, they introduced this thing that you can screw on your bottle and they're like diversifying super hard. So it's not only new flavors and product drops or mixes, but also teas and bottles and stainless steel and, and mugs and everything. So it's like 
the entire palette of the product and just like expanding on, on category to category to category. And like, it's very important that they also put the exact usage on how to use it because what it's supposed to do, it's, it's supposed to have flavor and replace soda, Coca-Cola, Sprite, Fanta, whatever. If you use too little water, it's going to be too sweet. If you use too much water, it's going to be not sweet enough, right? So you just want them to have the exact kind of like, not formula, but like the right amount of water. So it's actually like prime condition water with yeah. uh, with water drop flavor of whatever. Yeah, very important. I think many people disregard that and many people don't get this right where it's like, oh, we focus on Facebook ads. No, you, again, like it, it goes a bit back to NPS that you need to focus on, on the post-purchase experience and everything and like educate people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome, we, we are just coming up to time. So two quick fire questions. Anyone in the kind of D2C marketing space that you'd want to sit down for lunch with or e-commerce space? Yes, good friend of mine, actually, Nick Shackelford. Okay. He runs a very big agency in California with his partner, Jake Schmidt. And a good friend of mine, he runs this event called Geek Out, where like people come together and, and you know mastermind, brainstorm and everything. One of the smartest guys I know, very grateful for his friendship. So I haven't caught up with him in, in a few. So love to get lunch with him. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Cool. And final question. Have you got a couple of marketing tools that you'd recommend? Many. I'm just going to name them Slack just for communication. Not really a marketing tool, but like keeping everything aligned. Google Sheets, Google Drive, keeping everything structured. Frame.io for video editing and leaving comments. You can use tools such as Layer to schedule posts for social media with your social media manager, whatever. I love SEMrush for Google ads, to do keyword research, competitor research, all that kind of stuff. What runs where? It's kind of like a, a chart where you have, not a chart, but it's like a, a diagram, kind of like a micro map where you enter a query and then it gives you like questions and everything related and informational and whatnot. Let me think, is there anything else? ClickUp, project management, Notion, knowledge management. I search from to be able to just look for Google ads from a different location without having to activate your VPN. Because if whenever I log into my VPN, I need to log in, I need to choose the VPN. But if I look yeah. from, I search from, I'm able to just choose the location, not having to turn on the VPN. My internet is just as fast and I'm able to see the results in their respective country, their respective language or whatever it is. So I guess that's my essential tool stack. Yeah. Yeah, cool. I mean, there's a few there. I don't know. I didn't know where I searched from. It's not really my my sort of space. So, but yeah, ClickUp, I'm a big fan of. Notion, I haven't got my head around yet. But that's, that's It's important to on. differentiate. Like Some people use Notion for project management, but I think for us, the documents in ClickUp, they're not loading as fast as we want them to, right? So like all the documents and everything, we just throw them into Notion. And of course, it creates another layer, but therefore ClickUp is just faster and it's only for like daily operations and whatever i love myro as well just just for visualizing mind maps okrs yeah yeah oh yeah that's a good one awesome okay yeah i think we're gonna have to stop there really great stuff thank you so much if anyone wants to get in touch with you what's the best way of doing that three platforms first of all instagram because i'm probably the most active there username is jemboro j-e-m-b-o-u-r-o-u-h same on linkedin so I'm, I'm checking my linkedin every now and then every day and then twitter same jm jem borrow but a de at the end because my username is taken for some reason so i had to add a de yeah. for germany to yeah get a twitter account i guess <laughs> yeah fair enough cool all right thank you so much jim appreciate it thanks for having me
I do like this idea of uh, actor-generated content. Uh, you know, people know that a lot of UGC or influencer marketing is paid for and scripted. So, if they know that already, why not get an expert in front of the camera? You know, someone who knows how to really perform for the audience and get that message across. Another really important point Jen made was around uh, performance of different channels. Performance is going to change over time. Channels change the way they work. Consumers engage with them differently. Uh, you might get better click rates through. Facebook, uh, but you might be able to put your ad in front of 10 times more people on TikTok. Uh, that immediate conversion rate might not be as good, but you're hitting far more people. Uh, also, keep it simple. Uh, get a basic ad account set up. You know, you don't need to be on every channel immediately. You don't need to have hugely complicated ad account setups. You need to focus on good creative, good messaging, and a good offer. That's what's going to get you performance these days, and it's also where a lot of brands struggle, including your competitors. If you'd like to hear more from Jem, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback, or guest requests, please send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Blake and Pearl joining me again. You may, rem- you may remember him from a few months ago, but this time we'll be talking about the post-purchase experience and how crucial it is to customer retention. But until then, keep those customers clear.